0: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com
1: slash Wondery. Hey everyone, we're going to start the show in just one second. But first, today's Bob Seska show is brought to you by our Patreon page. In case you're not aware, we produce four podcasts every week. That means a new show every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Now, you might be wondering why you don't see the Friday show on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, etc., Well that's because our Friday After Party podcast with all of its revealing discussions about sex, drugs, rock and roll and politics is only available through our Patreon page so please help support this show by subscribing to our Friday After Party for just $10 a month plus you get two postmortem shows every damn week that's bobseskashow.com or just click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com and now let the cartoons begin
0: Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com.
1: From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, June 10, 2020, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest is one of my favorite people in the world. The great Jen Kirkman returns to the show today. She's not only one of the greatest living stand-up comics, but she's also a writer and the host of a podcast called Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman. Get it everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to support her show on her brand new Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Link in the description at bobseska.com. Oh, And if you dig what you hear today, maybe sign up for my Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. Okay, get ready. Let's catch up with the amazing Jen Kirkman. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there.
0: What a seamless beginning. Oh hi! I was just sitting here. And,
1: it's the best thing in the world. That is just one of my favorite things ever. I always look forward to your videos on Instagram for precisely that joke, and every time it happens, I always laugh out loud. Oh, I didn't see you there. It's just so great. It's such you a know, great way to start. I
0: stole that from somebody. I don't know who. I think it's almost um, public property at this point. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a the only word I can think of is meme because my, my you know I'm twelve times dumber than I used to be just because I'm in the modern age. But it's, Mm -hmm. a—I want to say community property, a classic, you know, the turning around in your chair. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. I mean, I definitely didn't make it up, but I'll keep doing it until someone sues me.
1: It's a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Somehow, Jen, it's been a year and a half, almost two years since the last time we talked on the show. You know, we we spent... A lot of time, uh, maybe about 15, 20 minutes before we actually started the show, trying to work out the technology. And it's one of those frustrating things where I feel like with the Zoom meetings and everyone doing video now because of quarantining and the coronavirus and everything, it's really underscoring how crappy the technology is, isn't it? Because it seems like you get a whole room of people on video. And and they're talking over each other and the audio gets muted and some people don't know how to work their cameras. And it's just, you'd think by 2020 we'd have this worked out, right?
0: Yes. And I was telling you off air, yeah, I worked at a dot-com company in the year 2000 and 2001 in mm-hmm. New York City. And, you know, laptops were becoming the norm. And that's what my boss was telling us, you know, of the future is going to be working from home. And as someone who was working, you know, a day job because I was pursuing my comedy at night. I thought, God, yep. that that's gonna be great. I can't wait <laughs> until this working from home happens. It seems like any minute now. And then it never did. And I'm like, so did they figure out is it really true that productivity is better when people are in the office or creativity? Hmm. Is it is it really just that innocent or is it something more sinister? Is there some capitalist Yeah I don't know what even I'm saying. But there is there some Someone needs us working from the office for some reasons where it makes a bunch of different people more money. And so they didn't want to make the technology better. That's my half-baked conspiracy theory for the day.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) at all if there was some sort of corporate interest in making sure we don't work from home. Because it seems to me as if, I mean, I'm looking at this as a... As a CEO, you put yourself in the head of these soulless, mindless automatons at the top of the heap in some of these corporations, <laughs> and, and they're thinking in terms of, oh, well, everyone's going to be at home goofing off. No one's ever going to put on clothes. There's going to be a bunch of uh, layabouts in their pajamas talking on video screens and, and scamming us, pretending to do work when they're actually not doing a whole lot of work, and then billing us for yeah. 40 hours a week or whatever it is on the invoice. So I think maybe that has something to do with it. I, I don't know that those powers that be have necessarily gotten together and conspired to make the video technology so utterly crappy even now that we're 30 years into this technology. I mean, it really hasn't improved at all and it, and it drives me crazy. And so sometimes I just go, Ah, uh, fuck it. I don't care. I'll I i just. I'll call you on the phone. <laughs> we'll just do the telephone thing again.
0: Exactly. Get a tin can. Let's just get back to basics. <laughs> yes, and by the way, it. I would say most people are goofing off at the office trying to look busy mm-hmm. because someone's walking by. You know, when I write from home, I when I'm writing, I'm writing. And when I'm not, I'm not. But when I'm not, I'm actually doing things that foster creativity that, you know, you have to procrastinate a little, maybe water your plants or do some laundry or something. And I'm actually getting things done as opposed to sitting at a desk trying to look (laughs) like I should be an employee. Yeah. Maybe there's no conspiracy, but then you said, well, what if it's an oil conspiracy? They want us on our cars commuting. Come on, Bob.
1: I know. Someone
0: run with this.
1: Yeah. That didn't occur to me. That's also a good point.
0: It might become one of those meatless Mondays kind of things where, yeah, People will work from home one day a week or two days a week or something like that because I mm. think it seems to me that a lot of people, except for the people that have to homeschool, but once the kids are back in school, that people are enjoying spending more time with their family and realizing how much time they've spent commuting instead of yeah. eating dinner at a normal hour or whatever. So I think, I think good stuff can come out of it, but they have to make, they have to make the technology better. I can't – I'm lucky. I don't have to do too many Zoom meetings, but I, I do them sometimes um, and you know what's the new thing that's happening is things that used to be a phone call are becoming Zoom meetings. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm I I was writing on a a TV show this year uh, like December through March and When the network calls to give you notes, that's always a phone call. Mm
2: -hmm. So that
0: way you put them on speaker and you roll your eyes with everybody and make the jerk off motion and give the finger to the phone and be like, (laughs) oh, yeah, these notes. We're not doing any of that. And then they're like, let's do a Zoom meeting. It's like, wait, why do we have to look at each other now? We never used to look at each other. So every kind of call, and it's ruining it. Now you can't make faces about them. So every kind of call now I feel is turning into Zoom. Even when friends are like, let's chat sometime this week. I'll Zoom you. I'm like, wait, what? why can't we just talk on the phone? Although I do like to Zoom people because I'm, I'm quarantining by myself. It's nice to actually see
1: people. Oh yeah, along those lines, how's your mom doing? Are you able to at least, uh, are you doing just regular phone calls with your mom or have you like instructed her oh, yeah. how to use Zoom or something like that?
0: Oh God, no. I got my, my parents are 82 and that's the only part of them that's 82 is the technology. Everything else. <laughs> they are vibrant. They are running around. They are funny. They don't sound old. They don't, have health problems, they go to the casino, my mom is really fun, funny, uh, but they just don't do technology, and I got them, have you heard of the Skylight frame?
1: No, yeah. what is that? I haven't heard of that.
0: Well, free advertising for Skylight, by the way, I got them one for <laughs> Christmas, it's almost like a digital frame, where mm-hmm. you're, but what happens is you email, so if I, my sisters and I text each other all day long photos, here's this, here's that, here's what I'm doing. And my parents don't get to see any of this. And Mm -hmm. they have a computer, but they don't know how to zoom on it. None of that's happening. I swear it might be dial-up. I haven't been to their house in a long time. We usually all congregate at my sister's house when I go home. So I got them this skylight frame for Christmas. I thought it would be great. They can put it in their living room. And when I have a picture that I would normally text them, if they were to have a cell phone like that, uh, I send the picture to an email address on Skylight. So as my mom's sitting there, bloop, a picture will pop up. And then it just is part of the picture frame now. It scrolls and there's pictures of her children and what you know, scrolls all day long. Yeah. And uh you can email them pictures and videos and they don't have to do a thing. It's on all day. Once you turn it on, you never have to turn it off for the rest of your life. You just have to one time put in your Wi Fi password.
2: Wow. And
0: my parents don't know what it is. We have to call our computer guy. I'm like, what computer guy? And then they'll get <laughs> all upset. I, we computer don't know guy. these things, Jennifer. Jennifer, <laughs> we don't need all this. And it's like they're crying. I asked my mom if she had a Wi-Fi password. She, she was so just discombobulated. I was like, you know what? Forget it. My sister <laughs> will come over. I got them for Christmas. They really loved it. They mm. stayed a week at my sister's. I showed them how it worked. They were having a ball. Then they went back to their house. My sister was supposed to visit at some point and put in their Wi-Fi password. And then the pandemic happened and no one's going to their house. So, but we talk on the phone, you know, once a week, sometimes more, they email, which is good, Yeah. but they're doing great. I'm really happy that they're obeying. I'm just loving it.
1: <laughs> well, they're, they're normals, right? I mean, they're not Fox news people.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, uh, oh, what? Oh, what? Oh, oh, oh,
1: oh. Really?
0: My dad, yeah. So my dad is Fox News, very into Trump. Oh, it's no. And the heartbreak of my life. Heartbreak uh. of my life because he is a greenskeeper of a golf course.
2: Mm-mm. And he
0: always told me, we do not trust owners of golf courses. And uh, they are the assholes of the world. And, you know, I think my dad hit his head. I'm not joking. I mean, he's fine now. But he... Could have died about seven years ago, hit his head. Jesus. Had this uh, cranial surgery, not brain surgery, but it, it almost uh, made him like he had dementia for a year. And he's oh, fine. I, I'm not even going to say he's never been the same. He can drive, he's fine. Yeah. But I swear to God, he was a smoker for, when he was 14. He hit his head at
2: 75.
0: Hmm. Uh, he stopped smoking. He lost the urge completely. He doesn't even remember what it's like. And he got like addicted to Fox News.
1: Oh, uh, so like, so there's there, there's an upside, and then there's a downside. So if you yeah. if you get so, hit on the head just the right way, you may be able to quit smoking. Yeah. But you also have to. I mean, I wonder what the trade off is. I mean, are you cool with that trade off? That well, we got him to no. quit smoking, but there's Fox News. No.
0: Because I have a feeling he smoked until 75 and had zero health problems because of it. He might have been one of those ones that just gets off scot-free. Yeah. And, you know, of course, I do talk to my parents about race and about everything. And I I have disowned um, or I'd say socially distanced my extended relatives who voted for Trump because there are some. And we're not rich people. This has been very confusing to me. We are. I think it's probably a race thing. It's probably a working class thing where they mm-hmm. became aspirational. And they didn't want to identify with anyone talking about the working class. You know, um, we used to talk about the middle class, and that's when people in my family would vote Democrat, Democratic. Mm-hmm. And now it's like there's rich and there's working class, and they don't want to identify with the working class. So they're, And it's a whole psychological thing. And I'm very aware of the fact of, oh, I'm just this white person. It's like, I still love my dad, but I will not. I know my father's heart. I know who he is. And we don't, I told him, if you ever talk to me about politics, I will not talk to you ever again. And he doesn't.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Family
0: first. Yeah. Family first with us. He will sometimes email me things coming from a very much a place of fear. You know, don't go to the protest. I mean, the good news is he does think that these cops are out of control. He does believe, you know, they're murderers. He's not, We've never been gun people. You know, we're not those people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but it's—I he's a lost cause. I cannot talk to him about this. Now, my mom was very anti-Hillary, and I think for her it was an internalized sexism. Mm-hmm. And my mom is very old school. She doesn't really talk about who she votes for. So I'm not sure if she just didn't vote or voted for Trump. I don't know. But I know that this time she has told me she definitely won't be voting for Trump, and now she hates him. But my mom's always been kind of an intellectual and she voted for Obama and she's um, very smart and very empathetic and reads everything like any hot new book that's out. That's, you know, I, you know what I mean? But those yeah. people that are always up on the latest fiction or she reads things outside of her experience about mm-hmm. different races, different cultures. I can talk to her about anything. My parents growing up, you know, we were Catholic, but not religious. And they accepted my gay friend who came out whose parents didn't accept him. they, you know, they've never. I've brought them to New York City. They loved it. When they are around people different from them, they come to life. They get so mm-hmm. excited. And so I, I know their heart. And and it's like, yes, ultimately, is it white supremacy? This one affect me? Of course, of course, of course. But, um, they are not wealthy people. They are very, they, I would say, not even middle class. You know, they're working class. They're yeah, working so, class. Yeah. Uh, but the the thing is like. So anyway, but he's not a yelling, screaming, we just don't talk about it. And Mm -hmm. he did send me an email about the protest. He said, I hope you're not going because of the group. Like he mentioned the groups that are going to infiltrate and cause trouble. He wasn't like black people are looting. I mean, listen, it's a small victory, but, you know, he probably thinks there's something called Antifa. He didn't say it, but at least he's sort of right that the people causing the looting are the white kids coming in from the suburbs, Mm -hmm. um, and not, oh my God. But anyway, besides that, you know, I remember when Adam Carolla said women aren't funny. My dad wrote an essay and asked me to put it on my website.
1: Yeah. Really?
0: (laughs) And it was this thoughtful essay about women understand men, but men don't understand women and they don't want to, and they will never find women funny. He meant this in a feminist way. Um, And that men are very threatened by this. And it was like, this is a 70-year-old man who didn't go to college from, you know, born in the 30s. Like, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I don't know where this – so, you know, that's who I know my dad to be. He's this bizarre mix of things. and But I do know at the end of the day, deep in my heart, do I believe he's a working-class guy who felt weird when a black man became president? I do. I really do.
1: I think with a lot of people's parents right now who happen to watch Fox News Channel, it's a challenge to reconcile what we observe on a daily basis versus what they're believing now because of Fox News Channel.
0: My mom has never watched Fox News a day in her life. She's very like, you read the newspaper and you can watch CNN because it's pretty much reminds her of the news that she grew up watching where just someone says, here's the news and there's no opinion either way. And she has not fallen for anything. And she very much believes in coronavirus and Dr. Fauci. And so does my dad. So that's what's strange. As certain things get through to my dad that make sense, like he believes very much in the coronavirus, and other things he, I think, watches to soothe himself. I think, and that I think might be where his shortcomings come in. I, I he does watch Fox. Mm. And, he has given up on some of the hosts that, I, I don't know who they are, but I feel like over the last few years, a couple hosts,
2: yeah. maybe
0: like your Shepard Smith, who was always a little neutral, would say something, and he would write that guy off. So he's he is, and he's susceptible to online things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just watches it all day long. And so that's what I mean. For someone who does, I'm, I'm still pretty impressed with <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: that he's not a ranting lunatic, but yeah, no, he's twenty four seven with it, and a lot of times he will turn it off and just watch reruns of sitcoms and, and stuff like that. But it's—I'd say it consumes a few hours of his day at least. Uh,
1: you know, I wanted to ask you too, Jen. Are you completely exhausted from stress and anxiety right now because of everything that seems to be collapsing on our heads simultaneously?
2: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Right.
0: And, and that's, not to sound, that's not to sound insensitive. But what's been really interesting and genius for me, mm-hmm. this is just for me, is I've had anxiety and panic disorder since I was eight. And it was undiagnosed until I was 22. Yeah. So I lived in a, a horror show of a personal, private hell. I can only imagine that it feels similar to being in the closet and being mm-hmm. like, if I tell people... It's, it's all over. You know, I thought having have anxiety was crazy and that crazy meant you live in an institution. So I yeah. thought I'm keeping myself from an institution by keeping this a secret. And it got to where my life was completely unmanageable hmm. and, you know, coping skills to cope with anxiety, whether it's any anything, anything from avoiding things to being emotionally reactive to whatever were traits that I kept. Well, through my 20s and 30s. Yeah. And I've spent a lifetime working on anxiety, overcoming it, therapy, meditation, spiritual programs, uh, blah, blah, blah. So that now I almost have that, you know, and I have a, a thing. I wake up every morning and I do my things. I won't start the day unless I begin my, you know, not because I'm feeling anxiety, but as a preventative. And then when I feel anxiety, I go into my, Things that I do. So mm-hmm. my whole point is, um, for me, I feel I've prepared my whole life to actually. This happened on 9/11 as well. I was, I was a, a next level kind of able to function without it overtaking me. um
2: yeah.
0: But two quick things. I did feel a ton of anxiety when Corona first started, when we first started locking down, mm-hmm. and that was just because I was having some symptoms I had just flown. I was really scared that I had it, and I. I had a physical anxiety that was so intense where I didn't want to fall asleep because I didn't want to wake up and feel those crushing symptoms. I know yeah. that doesn't, that's not how to fight Corona by staying up all night. But that, so I had that. And then the other thing is that last year I had a really difficult year. I, I left the job. I was writing on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I left that job, didn't write on season three, which would have been last year because it was in New York. I'm in mm-hmm. LA. It was getting getting expensive and living expenses and i had all the faith in the world that something would come through and it never did <laughs> and no. so i didn't work for 14 months and oh i was on the God. road but i was kind of losing money on tour so i was down to the last of my savings by christmas
1: by oh by december
0: God. thanksgiving yeah. sorry
1: this past christmas this past yeah. thanksgiving wow and,
0: yeah and i thought oh well this is it like I'm enough to you know, and I got a writing job, and it saved my butt and i I did that, so my whole point is that last year, I was rethinking doing the road because it it I've always hated um having a writing job and doing the road. it's just too much busyness, I don't like to be that busy mm-hmm. i but I realized that the road is not a viable thing for me right now, it's just not lucrative enough, you know. Look, it breaks everyone's heart when I say this. I just don't have a big enough audience anymore. So for me, it was all about get writing work, stay home, stay stable. And so I had my pandemic. I'm not working last year. Hmm. And then this year, I weirdly had a job from December through April and was working from home anyway. Like, so I was already kind of doing the shelter in place thing. And I knew that I would be okay financially for a little bit. Yeah. So in that way, I'm not now everything else. Um, the racism that's bubbling up in America, I, uh, not bubbling up, but that has always been there. Yeah. I'm looking at my part. What, what have I thought I was doing that I wasn't? And, mm-hmm. but that for me has been a not anxiety producing, but very quiet contemplative thing. So, yeah, so there's that. And I feel very, anxious about the election,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: for some reason, I'm not feeling it in my soul and in my body. I'm, I'm a little bit, and I don't mean detached from following the news or taking care of others or donating or getting the work, nothing like that. I'm just, I'm just detached. I'm not like playing, I'm not following into my emotions about it. Cause I, I can't, I, I, am by myself. I'm, I've got to, ha- I'm allowed to have some joy and I'm allowed to use this moment to figure out what I really want to do because I I wanted to change course in my career anyway. And, Mm -hmm. um, I wrote this big, like 10 page long anxiety email. And if anyone needs help, uh, I send out this form letter. Like I really actually want to move into a space where like, what if that became a job for me, like somehow working with people with anxiety and whatever. So all that to be said, I actually don't, but I I'm aware of it and I'm afraid of the anxiety that might come Mm -hmm. closer to the election or God forbid if Trump wins.
1: I think everyone's thinking about that too. It, It just seems like everything is happening all at the same time. And for people who, have the same disorder, who have generalized anxiety disorder, uh, this has got to be a a bloody nightmare for all of those people. I mean, you wrote a piece on your blog about generalized anxiety disorder. What is the difference specifically between just the feeling of anxiety and actually having an anxiety disorder?
0: I think it's similar to depression. I had a doctor tell me once that, you know, let's say somebody dies and you have a breakup, you will actually be clinically depressed for, you know, if it lasts more than six weeks, it yeah. doesn't mean for the rest of your life, that's your diagnosis. So I think that someone who never had generalized anxiety disorder might find themselves, you know, like if you, if you experience a period of anxiety longer mm-hmm. than a couple of weeks, now you might have, ha- I don't mean you have it. And now you have it for the rest of your life, but that might be what you're experiencing. And it's kind of, I mean, I think it all feels the same. Yeah. Um, I, I it, my only thought is that I think most people have anxiety and most people handle it by staying busy or staying in their heads or, you know, poo-pooing people who take care of it or thinking that meditation means relaxing or whatever. And I think that most people now are realizing they've always been anxious, Yeah. you know, and they can't do their coping skills of commuting and being busy and and, blah, 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 and hustling and grinding. I'm loving that this is maybe killing that kind of hustle culture a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, so I don't know. I think I think anxiety can be really physical, you know, and the basic thing is our sympathetic nervous system, which I think sounds nice, like it's trying to help us. It's like, oh, I'm sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's help. But it's a little disordered when you're anxious. Yeah. And so you're going into fight, flight or freeze when there is nothing happening you're just sitting on your couch there's no bear coming in you know like
2: Mm -hmm. uh
0: and so you have to activate the parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system which i think the paramedics are coming right it's like i have to break it down in baby terms because it really soothes me to talk to myself like that yeah so if i think oh my god i'm anxious i think oh my god my body's trying to help but it's just getting it wrong it's sympathetic let's get the parasympathetics in here and then you calm yourself down, whether it's a form of breathing or just looking at an object and mm-hmm. grounding yourself. It's, it's called grounding yourself. But So I think it's very simple. And I think ge- whether it's generalized, you've had your whole life, or whether it's situational, I think it's all the same. And I actually feel bad for the people that have never had anxiety. That's why I wrote about it and asked people to email me because they're so confused and they they don't know how to talk about it. And yeah. so... I think for a lot of people, anxiety is actually a coping skill. And so I always say, put on your shoes that you had when you were five years old and try to walk around in them because people insist, I've always done things this way. Well, it doesn't mean it's good, you know? And Mm. so you got to get new shoes. And so I think a lot of people will go, well, I can't get better because my anxiety is really bad. Like you see this defense come up where people, they're kind of fighting to keep their anxiety because that keeps them safe. And I don't blame them if that's the thing that. If you get anxious about stuff, you know your own response. You don't have to actually react in real time to new and scary stimuli, but it can kind of keep you stuck.
1: As a creative person, do you find that, or or did you find that anxiety kind of pushed you forward a little bit more than you would have otherwise? Or is, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is there an upside to it?
0: I, I, my anxiety was so debilitating. I couldn't do anything, but what was interesting was I can, well, you know what? It was actually kind of interesting you said. I don't believe people need their anxiety to help them do anything better.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um,
0: people can get rid of it, and they won't be as creative as the day is long. It, it just might be interesting. In other words, I used to be so anxious that the way to make myself happy, because it felt so horrifying to be anxious, would be go out every night and do comedy, or even as a little kid, mm-hmm. play with my friends and do crazy things. Cause I lived this double life, abject terror and anxiety or complete happiness and woo, fuck it, you know? Yeah. And so now I live a more balanced life, but I gotta be honest. Like I don't always have the urge to go be funny,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, but that's okay. I I feel creative in other ways. Like there's more room in my head for lots of things and different things interest me. But I I think, no, you know, last year when I wasn't working and I had to self-start on a lot of projects, I, I, I couldn't. I personally don't get more creative when I'm anxious, but I get a case of the fuckets, which sometimes can help. Like, <laughs> if that makes sense. You yeah,
1: know? I know those quite well. I know the cases of the fuckets. I have routine yeah, can, cases of fuckets. Yeah.
0: Like, don't you think if sometimes you're just like, I don't know, fuck it. Let's see if this. If you're feeling just horrible about the world and it's like, well, you know what? Like, fuck it. Maybe I'll just fuck it. Like I'll say this or I'll open my mind creatively to this. I I don't know how to explain it, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I was listening to something that I thought was really gorgeous was there's this podcast I love called 10% happier with Dan Harris. He's a ABC newsman and he had a panic attack on air years ago.
2: Wow.
0: And he was kind of an adrenaline junkie. He was in all the, you know, reporting on the wars and, you know, partied on weekends and had a panic attack on air. You can look up look it up on YouTube. Most people, it's not really visible, to the naked eye, but to him, it felt really big.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And he started meditating and he does this podcast. He talks to all the big meditation people, but he did a recent episode about the uncomfortable talking about race. And he talked to um, a guy, his name is, he's an official Buddhist, his name is Lama Rod, or I forget his last name, but he's black and gay. And he was talking to Dan, who's white and straight. And Lama Rod was saying, okay, so I don't want to just be interviewed about what white people can do about this. I want to have a conversation. And so he would say something like the trauma of the years of police brutality and, you know, growing up in a system that I didn't consent to. And then Dan would respond, yes, I'm curious. Let me. I want to interrogate that for a minute. And Dan, from his heart, was open-minded. And, yeah. And Rod said, no, that's really – Let's have an honest conversation about what's happening in our bodies. He's like, My heart's racing
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm feeling really tense because I'm being negated right now. I'm talking about my feelings and my trauma and you're in your intellect, mm-hmm. which is white supremacy. Not calling Dan a white supremacist, but saying that without even knowing it, white people go to their heads to cope. And what Rod was asking Dan to do was get into your heart. How does that feel when someone black says this to
1: you? That's also a difference between men and women. I find that men tend to go for, let's figure out how to solve this problem. And then women go to uh, their hearts, I think, a little more often. I'm speaking generally, of course, but that's generally, kind of also I think an that's aspect. That's
0: true. And I think that might be a case. It's interesting you said that. That might be a case because women, even white women, are an other of sorts, right? Mm-hmm. But interesting for me is when I would talk about feminism online, I would be like, I just got harassed for the 50th time. I live in a different world than you guys. This is what it feels like. And guys would write back, I'm curious, or just asking, or what, I didn't know why it was so triggering, but listening to this podcast, I realized it just feels negating. And I realized as a white person, I've done that in talking to black friends and black colleagues. I want to, you know, kind of look like I know what I'm talking about and I want to be real keyed in and make sure everyone knows I'm an ally. And I've definitely talked from the top of my head instead of in my heart, but it's not like I have to go start wailing and screaming and going, I'm sorry, but it's more being honest and saying, well, I'm really uncomfortable and right I'm not sure yeah. uh, what to do, you know, that kind of thing mm-hmm. and just being honest and, and having two souls connect. And so all tying that back to anxiety is I've been trying to really, after hearing that podcast, it really inspired me. Like how am I still doing that as mm-hmm. a white person? And I'm doing it a lot. And so I'm, I just, last week I sat and it, and it wasn't anxiety. I felt it was a broken heart. I felt that same broken heart. I felt, um, maybe after nine 11, definitely after Trump was elected. And then I had to say, is my heart broken because when it's not fun anymore? Cause I've been getting away with ignoring stuff. And even if I haven't been totally ignoring it, like still a level that I get to ignore race if I want to on any given day. Um, and I relate when, yeah when people say that to me, cause as a woman, I don't get to ever not be a woman. And so I had to look I've just had a broken heart all week and I've had to interrogate myself. Is this like when the funds over or is this actual empathy for others? I think it's leaning more towards empathy, but yeah. you know, I've been sitting home asking myself these questions and hopefully by doing that, it'll bring about my next actions, which, which will help. But so, yeah, I mean my anxiety I'm, I'm trying to, Anytime I have any kind of anxiety, I try to bring it into my
1: feelings. Okay, we'll get back to our conversation with Jen here in just one second. But if you're looking for a perfect Father's Day gift, and who isn't right now, Omaha Steaks is here to help you. And what does dad really want for Father's Day anyway? Tons and tons of beef. If you ask any dad, what do you want for Father's Day? Well, the answer is always going to be beef, steak, some sort of meat. And for a limited time, you can get a variety of packages filled with beautiful Omaha Steaks, plus other premium meats, side dishes, artisan desserts, and so much more, all ideal for Dad's special day. These packages come flash-frozen, vacuum-sealed, delivered in a cooler with dry ice, safely to his door. That means fresher than fresh, all backed by Omaha Steaks, unconditional 100% money-back guarantee, by the way, Best customer service in the world at Omaha Steaks. It's a simple, delicious way to treat Dad this Father's Day, and you're giving him something he's actually going to enjoy, too. Omaha Steaks is offering listeners a variety of amazing packages that are perfect to send Dad for Father's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code LIBERAL into the search bar to unlock savings of 50% or more. With code LIBERAL, you'll receive free shipping and a free one-pound package of delicious applewood smoked steak-cut bacon on select packages dad's gonna go crazy for that there are many packages available perfect for dad all ready to be shipped in time for father's day OmahaSteaks.com. Enter the code LIBERAL in the search bar. Okay, and don't forget, we all have to do these Zoom meetings these days with work or with our friends and family members. But what do you see on that screen when you look at yourself? I know when I look at the screen, everything that's weird about my face gets amplified by a 1,000%. Zoom meetings with coworkers and clients are great until you notice all those crazy things, including bags, wrinkles, fine lines. Let me tell you, these cameras catch everything. But now imagine that they're gone. And I'm not talking about risky or expensive plastic surgery. I'm talking about gone in minutes. It is called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags, all in the comfort of your own home. Plexiderm is the solution for Zoom meeting eyes. Uh, The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours, so nobody's going to know that you're using it unless you tell them. Go to triplexiderm.com today. Use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. That's half off plus an extra $10 off. Or call 1-800-685-1292. Mention the code VOICES to the operator. Plexoderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit TriPlexiderm.com. Use the code VOICES. That's code VOICES at TriPlexiderm.com. The
2: Bob Seska Show!
1: I think what's generating a lot of the anxiety at this point is the sense of helpless injustice. Like, is there anything we can do in the face of this obvious injustice that we see in our Twitter timelines every day, one video after another, whether it was the actual murder of George Floyd or all of the law enforcement injustice that has occurred in the wake of that, all those things combine into that sense of what can be done now. And especially when you lump into the equation, the fact that we're supposed to be isolating and so on due to the virus. (laughs) And what can we do out in the streets when we know that's probably a dangerous thing, and then we feel, I guess, almost ground to a a standstill in some ways.
0: I feel like, and I feel like the pandemic brought this up a lot for people, this lack of control, Mm -hmm. but we've never had control. Like, I was joking about it on my podcast the other day. I was like, we were born, no one asked to be born. Yeah. Then you're born. Then you celebrate birthdays, and then someone drops this one on you. Oh, you don't live the whole time. What do you mean? You die. When? Oh, we don't know. What the fuck? Like, we have never had any control. We have no control over the biggest thing ever, life and death. So
2: um,
0: we do have some control uh, over—now, I don't know what it is, but I I, am—I feel like it's one of those things we have to look at almost the way we look at voting or anything else what am I doing and am I encouraging others to do the same? And if everyone did this, we have to look at it from that way. I can't jump in and save this, but if everyone did these three things that I'm doing, then the world will start to change. And I do think the onus is a little bit more on people who own corporations and what, you know, are all their employees white and people who put out media and art, you know, network executives. You know, I think smaller people like yourself and myself, it's Mm. like, just keep amplifying the right messages, donate where we can. If people can march great, if they can't, I think that's perfectly understood. Um, you know, be a lifelong student of this. It's not just the new hot thing, you know, check our own. I mean, I think a lot of it, and it seems like it doesn't help, but I do think it does. Is like looking at ourselves for the first time. And like, we all know we have white privilege and we're all happy to say it. I've got white privilege, but the way I say it, I've been saying it, as I look in my heart, It's like, but I don't want it. That's like the parentheses, and it's like, yeah, but but I have it, so don't not look at it. And so I think it's okay if white people right now just keep amplifying the right messages, donating what they can, but institutional change doesn't just come from, oh, these guys that are murdering everyone. I mean, Mm -hmm. all of us are part of it in our own small way, and so I think that's the hard part. But, you know, I'm not out in the streets, and I do feel... I don't feel overly guilty about it because that doesn't help anybody, but I'm at risk for COVID with, I have some lung and asthma issues, so I'm just not fucking with it, Mm -hmm. but I have a little bit of guilt about that, but it's a waste of time for me to sit around feeling bad. But you know, of course there'd be some Twitter warrior, always a white person who would be like, you you know, But I'm not going to pretend I'm protesting, but I certainly don't advertise
1: that I'm not, except here on the Bob Seska Show. There's going to be a secondary health crisis that is going to be added on top of the uh, viral health crisis. And that is a secondary epidemic of mental health issues, the post-traumatic stress of dealing with a virus on top of the social injustice, those two things combined, I think it could create this uh, possibility of another epidemic of mental health issues. In fact, I think the United yeah. States, just in general, is suffering from just a societal nervous breakdown. Are you seeing the same thing too, or do you think it's more individualized?
0: No, I think you're right. It's collective. And and I yeah. love what you've been saying, that it's a, it's a American nervous breakdown. It really is. And I think that it's just overwhelming. It's nonstop. And I think mm-hmm. there's, uh, and then on the individual level, I think people think if I don't know about everything, every single second, I'm a bad person oh, yeah. and I must stay connected at all times to the news. And I took Twitter off my phone or the best thing I ever did. And I don't enjoy looking at it. It's not like hard for me to stay off it. And some days I usually has everything to do with procrastinating a writing project. at go on I look at this, but I don't feel guilty. You know, it's like, people used to just read a newspaper and know what's going on and and we know what's going on. If you pick your issues that matter to you, look, you know, research them on your own every day for a few, whatever, an hour, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. maybe every other day, we do not need to be this plugged in every second and nobody is an unwoke bad person or not. And you know, all these things I worked on my whole life, like not having quick emotional reactions to things is kind of the culture we live in. And on the individualized level, I think in a good way this nervous breakdown is making people and i'm talking more about this this bullshit instagram culture of i'm an influencer and and i'm always hustling and i do this and i do wellness and all this like just constant busyness yeah. i feel like maybe that will change but the anxiety that i mean trump has really qualified all of us for an al-anon program it's like having the alcoholic crazy parent you oh, know?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: and I think that it all comes down to that's why I've been talking about anxiety a lot it all comes down to I, I don't know how to explain it I mean you and I grew up in the 80s with the threat of the cold war and, yeah. and, nukes. and there's always been uh, horrible things happening you know big thing in the 80s was Ethiopia everyone's starving and of course there was racism and the crack and all, everything but mm-hmm. we were able to still God, I don't mean this from a white perspective. I'm I'm trying to explain that like there was a constant threat of nuclear war and it caused us anxiety, but it didn't, it wasn't unpredictable. I don't know. That's, that's what it is. There's an unpredictability every day where it's like, okay, we're either going to get nuked or we're not. I trust people are working towards a solution. It's a little scary. We kind of know this ends one of two ways with Trump. We don't know how anything ends. We don't know. If the DOJ is on our side, are there adults left in the White House? I, when when the generals came out against him, I was shocked. I was like, it, everything just makes, I don't know. I don't, and when people go, the National Guard won't take orders from Trump. I go, I don't mean to be rude. My apologies to the National Guard, which I think is a wonderful thing. I don't know that. Yeah. You know, I've just lost trust in everything. And that is
1: really unstabilizing yeah it really Um, is we don't have a leader and going back to the cold war analogy even during the cold war we kind of had i don't know i don't know what the right word is faith that our leaders were at least sensible enough that they weren't going to get into this mutually assured destruction kind of scenario like everyone knew that if you fired off a nuke there was going to be one coming right back at you and in that sense, yes. at the very least, Republican, Democrat, or in between, we knew that there was at least a level of reason and rationality to prevent that. And that's one of the reasons why that joke that Reagan told, and he was supposed to be off microphone, he said something about uh the bombs are going to start flying any second now. I forget exactly what the joke was, but that was destabilizing to us. Like, oh, shit, maybe he's not as rational as we thought. But conversely, we're dealing with leadership now at the highest level where we don't know what the fuck they're going to do on Twitter, much less what Donald Trump has the potential to do carrying around the nuclear codes in his uh, pants pocket. And the nuclear thing is just one example. I mean, we don't know.
0: I mean, and it's that's like that was like our fear at the beginning, and that was in every ad against Trump. And now I'm like, yeah. oh, I forgot about nukes. Like until we just started talking about, it. I'm like, oh yeah, right. nuke. But let me ask you this: I I don't agree with. I do think that Trump is, for lack of a better word, sorry, women, a pussy, and he's in the bunker because he's helpless but this notion that he's scared i want people to be really careful when they say that maybe he is scared of the protesters and he thinks they're going to break down the door so okay so he's scared but the overall overarching thing i don't know how scared he is because he seems to have with the exception of a few people that stopped him from declaring martial law mm-hmm. he's got bill Barr in his pocket putin is helping him what is he scared of exactly because he's gotten away with every single thing so far so yeah. i do He's scared. I was scared of what? Joe Biden? I mean, maybe. I mean, that is why we had the impeachment. So he's maybe concerned. But I actually, when people say, oh, don't worry, he's scared. It's almost like when you talk about don't get happy. Like,
2: yeah. I feel there's
0: a complacency when people say that. Like, we got him now. He's running scared. No, that doesn't mean we got him. Yeah. Just because he's scared doesn't mean we got anything.
2: Because mm-hmm. we so
0: far haven't been able to stop him. We've been able to slow the train. But I don't know. I don't like that I don't like that common thing that people say. Do you am I wrong?
1: Talk me out of No, that's that's a really good point. And and I kinda agree with that sentiment. Um and, and I say it myself quite a bit, that oh, Donald Trump is scared. But it's only in a relative sense, insofar as I get the sense that Donald Trump has this, I don't know, artificial vibe around him, that he's some sort of, you know, twelve foot tall alpha male and he's this tough guy, this tough masculine guy. But he's not. Not in any sense of the term. In fact, there was a uh, there was a piece written by Tom Nichols, a never-Trumper for The Atlantic, where he talked about this exact thing. But it's something that we've been, you know, kind of throwing out there on social media occasionally. And that is that Donald Trump is actually a, a very whiny, insecure, vain... Um, it, it, and that's all in comparison to the norm. And so... Yeah. A lot of his behavior emerges out of a sense of fear and that is all in relation to misappropriated masculinity that he gets attributed with by Fox News Channel, AM Talk Radio and and the usual suspects. Like, oh yes, he's this masculine guy. But he's not. He, because everything he does yeah. is based on a reaction out of self-preservation. It's like a, an animal that's ca- caught in a snare or something. They just start freaking out <laughs> to the point where they almost gnaw well, off their own right. limb. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, so it's like every single movie makes comes from fear and the malignant narcissism that's all tied in. Yeah. And, and, and I think Tom said this, I did read it, or someone said this, or Rick Wilson, or someone, some Never Trumpers said it, that if you push back a little bit, he runs scared. Right. And I do believe that. My only worry is that he knows that, and that's why he surrounded himself with people who don 't push back mm-hmm. and uh, he's trained other people to be as afraid as he is, so that's why the entire GOP just folded so I think there's um, I just don't know who is going to uphold the law when it comes to voter suppression, or you know the one thing that that did hearten me is it is an interesting confluence of now everyone's in the streets nonstop during a pandemic. Yeah. And I think it, it was the tipping point, but we haven't had that tipping point with guns, with gun violence Mm. and marches. And I think it had to be because people have been cooped up for three months and they have the free time and they're just like, fuck this shit, you know? And so I think it's also because there was a pandemic that, People were just bursting out of their homes to protest this. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and
0: and uh, what heartens me is I was afraid people would be too afraid to go vote in November. Now this is blown that completely out of the water. People will totally go vote if they'll go, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that makes me happy at least that. I don't think people, maybe old people that can't drive, but hopefully they'll vote by mail. But, but it just all these little things with, with everything, he's in the bunker. And it's funny to make fun of him, but what's going on with the post office that he's trying to destroy because he doesn't want mail-in voting? You know, I, I, people get so easily distracted that they lose their own sense of, hey, what? I'm a smart person who pays attention to politics. Yeah. What should I be keeping my – I always say we all have to be – like Bill Murray's brother at the end of Caddyshack. <laughs> While everyone's partying and they think they've won. And Danny Noonan's like, shit. Whatever his name is, Murray. What is his name?
1: Uh, Brian Doyle Murray.
0: Brian Doyle Murray is watching that ball. And everyone else is reacting to something over there. And boom, it goes in. And he's like, it's in. And then everyone reacts the other way. So it's mm. like, we got to be Brian Doyle Murray in Caddyshack. Yeah. Keep our eye on some ball of our choosing and make sure that every day we don't just get sucked in. Let's make fun of him for being in the bunker. Cause you know, I'm also not a fan of poking at the man because it makes him go like we poked at him and he wants everyone in New York to die. We poked out of Corona. We poked at him and he wants every time there's a fire in California, he defunds <laughs> the fire department. Like <laughs> just go to work and never mind with the tweeting and the hashtagging fun to humiliate him but there is a price for it and it's like I think we all should be collectively a little smarter about looking at what can be done in the chaos Right, because they're doing shit that's what I mean he's not just sitting there scared in the bunker he's got a million people evil fuck, that are way smarter than him working for him that are like good we've distracted everybody now let's get rid of the post office
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's right Uh, and I am spending a lot less time yelling at him directly on Twitter. Like, I just had this thing going where it was cathartic for me to respond directly to him, to quote tweet something he said, and then to address him personally, which I still do now and then, but a lot less often. Instead, what I'll do is I'll quote tweet him, and then I'll say something in general. Because, you know, there is this other aspect to him tweeting and to us being able to respond to his tweets, insofar as he can go around saying, I'm a transparent president because I let the people yell at me back. I'm just not the only one doing the yelling. I'm letting the people yell back at me. You could make some argument that it's very Jacksonian. It's like Andrew Jackson and the big block of cheese in the White House, where he lets the people come in and have their say, and and but it's not. Right. It's it it actually kind of empowers him a little bit. I can I can really see that because I understand the. The urge to do it. He's a bully and you want to bully the bully back, yeah. right?
0: And I think sometimes it's fun to do. And, and you know, listen, it, if it gets people it can get you more attention and then people will start listening to not you specifically, but your message. So I think it's fine. I just go, you know, there's been times on Twitter where he was talking about the mail and voting thing and the post office. And uh, I mentioned that he wants to kill the post office. And somebody corrected me, and they're like, no, he's just worried about mail and voting. I'm like, yes, you dumb fuck, but I'm saying he's going to go as far as to get rid of the postal service. And they were like, mm. I don't think so. And it's like that kind of thing. I go, why? Why aren't you thinking one step ahead? Maybe those people, you know, you can walk and chew gum. You can think one step ahead. You've been talking forever about him trying to extend his term by yeah. saying they didn't let me get anything done, and you're thinking one step ahead. And then you, someone like you, can go make fun of them because you've done your work. I think most (laughs) people think they're, I don't know what, like, I, I think the way we own him is we think like him and we get ahead of it and try to, you know, we meet him when his troops come marching towards us. We're already there waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just reacting to every single thing he does and spazzing out, which is, as I say, it's like a collective group of people who are, you know, afraid of their alcoholic dad, like. (laughs) <laughs> eventually you have to have a plan and an intervention and a thing I don't know I don't have an alcoholic dependence. you know I'm just saying yeah. like, he is traumatizing all of his children which are us and uh, a lot of times people respond to trauma by just acting like the person and I I just think we've got to be smart like you said don't get happy don't get lazy don't you know no one is coming to save us we've learned this when we found out the scope of the Mueller investigation wasn't mm. what we thought it was. Like, no one is going to save us.
1: I feel as if the solution has always been to turn the fire hose of news around onto him rather than constantly responding to what he's saying. Get him to the place where he's having to feel the things that we're saying.
0: How would you turn the, <clears throat> the fire hose of news on him? Do you mean like news outlets like MSNBC, CNN? They could just, instead of reacting to what he said that day, just come to the table for the day with an independent report about something. Is that what you mean? Well, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think as an example of turning the fire hose of news on him, the entire impeachment process. I mean, I think that was a real, that was the culmination of what I thought, you know, maybe not necessarily when it comes to impeachment, but from the very beginning, there should have been something that just like with Barack Obama and the Republicans investigating Every last thing, and of course not finding anything because it was all bogus, but right. they were constantly going at Barack Obama with one thing or another. And he didn't always take the bait because he, was, of course, is a decent man and he was a smart man and he understood politics. And so he didn't always take the bait. But with Donald Trump, I think it's very easy for him to take the bait. He can't help but to take the bait. So you hit him with an impeachment and he's going to be pre- preoccupied with that. He's going to be mo- so preoccupied with that that he's gonna be less inclined to just sit and go, "Hey, what does this button do?" If I start saying, hmm, "Maybe we, maybe we should start testing nuclear weapons again," uh, or you know, just whatever crazy, maybe we should buy Greenland, or maybe we should nuke hurricanes, crap like that. That w- then we all have yeah. to jump onto, just as you were saying before, that we all have to respond to that. Well, rather than doing that. I guess the word is proactive.
0: I guess the closest thing are those Lincoln project ads. Oh yeah. yeah. Every day are just, it's, it's like what you're saying. Like I was saying before, I don't think we should bait him, but it's the perfect thing. They bait him perfectly because he reacts and yet distracts him from what does this button do? And hopefully, hopefully those ads get to a point where they say vote for Joe Biden. We can talk about Trump all we want. Mm hmm uh and maybe the best we can hope is that people just don't vote like the people that were going to vote for him i suppose that i suppose that helps i don't know actually i know it doesn't help when liberals don't vote but maybe the best that can be said of people who loved trump but would never vote for Dem are that they don't I, i don't know what the point of those ads are i just wish they'd get a little bit or maybe they don't want to affiliate themselves with joe biden so that uh, if, like for all the right reasons so that they don't yeah. mess up his campaign, but, but I love those ads and how Trump literally reacts to them every day or every time they come out. I don't, I worry.
1: How are you feeling about the outcome of the election at this point? Are you feeling hopeful? Or are you feeling like, Oh shit, we need to get ready for a second term. Uh, where are you at this point?
0: I live in this space between two extremes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One is I am eternally hopeful It is not a trait I have cultivated, worked on, tried to have. It is just born in me. I am hopeful always. I hate it about myself. But I have this feeling that Joe will win. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm also very much aware that Putin helped Trump win last time. And they have only gotten closer in the last four years. Um, I'm not worried about any of the nonsense that he won't leave the White House. that, That might even be... Let's see. Um, <laughs> uh, so I live in between those two things, which is, I think we're done here and it's going to happen. Um, that being said, I worry that people get complacent. Uh, you guys take it from here. Yeah. And we're going to go back underground and ignore everything. Now Trumpism is not dead. This is like strange things. You know, it's going to happen next season. Here comes the thing again, you know, so let's not, you know, life has changed forever because Trump was president and it mm. doesn't end because he's out. Like yeah. the work is still there. Okay. So that's how I feel about the election. The other part of me feels really scared and hopeless. And I want to, I, I would like to move to Canada or Amsterdam and I am just for fun. Cause I've got the time researching how to do that without having a husband or job in either place. <laughs> Usually that kind of helps <laughs> one gain citizenship. Yeah. And I panic because I think I would love to fly out of the country just for a few months during the election in case the shit hits the fan. But then there's COVID and I don't want to get on a plane. So
2: right. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: those are the thoughts as, as you as if an alien was observing me as I wander from. My office, to the living room, to the kitchen. (laughs) I look like nothing's going on, but those are the thoughts that are in a constant loop. It's going to be great. Biden and Kamala, VP, that's what I want. They're winning. It's going to be good. Oh, my God, I need to leave the country. Well, there's a pandemic, I'll get COVID on the plane and then end up in a ventilator. Oh, my God, Joe Biden's going to win. It's just a constant loop with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I wish I had some of that hope. Uh, And I... I am just intensely nervous because I, you know, I compared it this way on my show yesterday, which is that I feel like uh, the old man in the sea. I feel like the Ernest Hemingway story where you're, you know, you catch this big fish and you got to drag it all the way to shore and there are sharks taking giant bites out of it and the shore being November 3rd. uh, and, (laughs) And we have a tendency in this country, liberals specifically, to snatch a, a defeat from the jaws of victory or however that, <laughs> however that metaphor goes. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so that's my main point of no, concern. I mean, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that's the thing is I'm, you know, as we all remember, October surprises are a thing. So I'm not thinking about the election until maybe October. Yeah. So that's also it. I'm in this sort of uh, middle zone where I'm thinking about other things and my political, other things politically, and then the election I'll think about come October because anything could happen. But so it's sort of like this in the back of my mind, and I'm really trying to enjoy, there's a lot of stuff I love about sheltering in place. I'm just trying Mm -hmm. to enjoy all of the small, glorious things every day as I once in a while go, oh my fucking God, it's an election (laughs) year.
1: You know, what? Uh, your attitude is so inspiring, Jen. I, I really appreciate all of the time that you spent today uh, on the show. And, and thank uh, you so much. We got to get together again on the show again and not wait another year and a half before uh, it happens. Maybe before the election at some point. We'll, we'll get together. And uh, I
0: would love to. And, and I'm not joking when I say this. I canceled my entire tour for the year. Um, I am not going anywhere, not even the grocery store, until there's a vaccine. So wow. I got the time,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and did you just, <laughs> I am here,
1: did you just recently start yeah. a patreon page, or is that something that you've had for a while?
0: I started it in March, weirdly, nothing to do with the pandemic, but because I was going to um tour less, I thought, you know I love doing my podcast, which yeah. is just me talking for an hour a week about what's going on in my head, and sometimes the world is not overly political though at all. um it's sort of like an improvised comedy special every week, and mm-hmm. so um. I do that. It's called Having Fun Listeness with Jen Kirkman. It's a free podcast. You can listen to it wherever you get your podcast. But I started a Patreon component where there are bonus episodes every week, and the video version is on there so people can enjoy my various things I've been doing to my hair in quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) I've been following the
1: saga of you growing your bangs out.
0: (laughs) I just bleached them so they're like my bangs are a different color than the rest of my hair, but it looks kind of (laughs) cool, but... I might have burned them off a little bit. I'm growing them out. There's a lot going on over here. But anyway, so yes, yeah, patreon.com dot com slash Jen Kirkman and there you people go. Can join anywhere from five dollars in five dollar increments all the way up to thirty five. So and I'm a Patreon member of the Bob
1: Seska show. Yes, you are. And every time I crack the mic, I go, oh, God, I hope Jen likes this show. <laughs> I hope Jen likes oh, this one. So-
0: I love every episode. I love, I get so excited when I listen and I'm like, oh, it's over. And then I remember, oh, the post-mortem show. That's right. I get 20 extra bonus minutes. And so it's, you know, and I feel like people, here's the thing. This is what I always say to my Patreon people, and I'm giving you an ad right now. Is if you have the extra money, but you go, I really, I don't need any 20 minutes bonus. I don't need all the extras. Then don't listen to them. Yeah. Just give the man the money once See? a month. This is his job. There you go. And uh, it's there for you if you ever need it. If, if you know, you're supporting something that means something to you, and if you have the money, <laughs> throw your credit card in. It automatically deducts. You don't even have to look at it. Don't look at your bank statements. <laughs> don't listen to his extra content. give him
1: money. I'm going to (laughs) extract this and use this as a running advertisement on the show. Here's Jen Kirkman for the Bob Seska show.
0: (laughs) I would be honored. Yeah, I love the extra bonus content, but you don't need it, so don't listen to it. Just give him
1: money. (laughs) That's right. And I desperately need all the money I can get because, as you can tell, the show is being held together by duct tape and spit at this point. So, Well,
0: (laughs) I feel your pain because I know that first of the month when patreon money gets added into your account yeah. and then everybody changes their mind or their credit card declines or something and i'm oh, not no. making fun of people who are, who are having financial hardships we all know there's plenty of people that have zero financial hardships they just lose their card all the time mm-hmm. and once you re-up and get a new card you go do i even want to do that patreon <laughs> nah and these people have plenty of money i'm not talking about that truly broke or poor I'm talking about people with money that are just like, what? Oh, I don't know. Don't be that person.
1: (laughs) All right, Jen. Well, thank you so much uh, today. Love you so much. We'll talk to you next time.
0: Give my love to Kimberly Johnson. I'll see you guys again.
1: I will absolutely do that. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hold it. Don't nobody move. States, public health departments, and businesses are increasingly suggesting, if not requiring, the wearing of face masks. It's the smart, practical thing to wear if you have a reason to leave your home. And with the upswing in coronavirus happening right now, this is a must. A mask is a responsible way to protect yourself, your family, and your community. Our friends at thecleanphone.com now have KN95 masks that are ready to ship. These masks are rated to filter 95% plus and are certified to FFP2 standards. Go to thecleanphone.com and order your 10-pack of KN95 masks today. Add the code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word, to the drop-down box for free shipping. Getting face masks into the hands of as many people as possible is an important next step in living with this virus. Get KN95 masks for you, your family, neighbors, and friends. If you go outside, you should wear a face mask. Go to thecleanphone.com. That's thecleanphone.com and order your 10-pack of masks today. And for free shipping, remember the code SEXYLIBERAL. Thank you.